It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we look back on a dramatic afternoon for Forest at Old Trafford, losing 3-2 to Manchester United after going two goals up inside the opening four minutes. Tyro Wanyi and Willy Bolly put Forest two goals up and gave them a dream start at Old Trafford, but United came back with goals from Christian Eriksen, Casemiro and a Bruno Fernandes penalty, albeit perhaps a controversial one as we'll come to talk about later on it's Stephen here and I've got Tom with me to look back on the game just quickly Tom sum up your thoughts on Forrest's performance and, and how the afternoon unfolded for them because 2-0 up they it was dreamland at one point yeah uh, I think the, the first two away games were quite daunting when the fixtures come out and Forrest have applied themselves really good in the two games I mean they weren't great in the first half against Arsenal but second half they were brilliant and for the majority of the game on uh, Saturday, they were uh, pretty good. Um, I, I just think sometimes they just need to uh, take care of the ball and sometimes they make the wrong decisions, um, etc. But um, yeah, for, uh, Forest are like, playing really well away from home uh, so far this season. And I just think that they've come a long way because last year we was going to these places and getting absolutely battered and not even laying a glove on any of these teams. And it's now a statue. And um, we're going to these grounds and actually competing, which is a nice change from last season. But unfortunately, we still haven't gotten a away win since the Southampton game earlier this year. Yeah, Forest set up with the the similar kind of uh, similar kind of setup that they they went with against Arsenal and Sheffield United. So uh, a back five, two in the middle, and then sort of three floating around up front. So we had Matt Turner in goal, a back five of Serge Aurier, Joe Worrell, Willie Bolly, Scott McKenna and Ola Aina. Danilo and Ryan Yates in the midfield with Gibbs White, Johnson and Awanyi ahead of them. Subs, uh, Ethan Horvath, Nico Williams, Czech Kiate, Chris Wood, 
Musa Niakate, Anthony Alanga, Remo Froiler, the new signing Gonzalo Montiel, and Huang Ujo. So Forest, I think, lined up in a in a, a way that we expected them to. It's it's that five at the back, which seems to be Cooper's preferred setup at the moment. And it was a, again a, an improved away performance, and particularly given how Forest performed at Old Trafford last season a much better performance than what they produced there. And we'll get straight into the action early on, Tom. So uh, early on, it was Matt Turner had a save to make. He palmed the ball wide from a shot from Anthony in the opening 90 seconds. And then from the corner, Forrest break. And uh, Morgan Gibbs-White gets his head onto onto the ball as it's cleared. It's a bouncing ball. Marcus Rashford is going for it. But Tyro Wanyi sprints and beats Rashford to the ball. And he's still on goal and slots it past Anana. He almost looks as if he takes too long with it. But I think he sets himself to almost shift Anana down and then slot the ball past him. And in doing so, becomes the first Forest player to score in seven consecutive Premier League matches. And this was inside two minutes, Tom, and this was an unbelievable start for Forest. Yeah, and when Tower was running from the halfway line and he went past uh, Rashford, I can't remember who the other player was. It, obviously, it would have been a um, one of the defenders. And I just knew he was going to score. And when he got into the box, he was like, is he gonna? Is he gonna pull the trigger? And then he obviously he's put Anana on his backside and slotted it into the corner where Anana has got a touch on it. And I think he's just going to set himself because he knew um, Rashford was on his um, uh, on his tail. So it was, yeah, it was a cracking um, cracking start. And Tower one, he he's been absolutely brilliant since the last few games of last season where he was in that rich vein of form. And he's um, just took it into this season, and he's he's as, as important as like your likes of Brennan Johnson and Morgan Gibbs White. And if you look around the the teams in a similar position to Forest, not many of them have got like a uh, a striker what you can absolutely rely on. Whereas we got Taro, and like I says, he was very raw this time last year when he um, joined the club. But I think they've worked really hard on him, which I've mentioned in previous podcasts, and he's becoming an absolute weapon in terms of uh, keeping us away from the drop zone. because, um, And I think his all-round all game has improved massively since he joined from um, Union Berlin last summer. And I said in the previous podcast, I feel like he's really grown into that number nine role since he's come to Forest. And certainly since he came back from injury at the back end of last season, he's really developed more of a presence and a confidence in his play and to score in seven consecutive Premier League matches is no mean feat and it gave Forrest the perfect start which they then doubled just two minutes later a free kick down the right hand side from Morgan Gibbs White he curled it in and Willie Bolly steered it into the corner past Anana it almost comes as a bit of a surprise when you look look at the footage back it's almost like how's how's the ball ended up there but Bolly does well to steer the ball into the net and 2-0 up at Old Trafford inside four minutes it it was just an unbelievable moment wasn't it it was and I think it's near enough 27 years to the uh to the day since uh, Alfie Harland's um scored uh first for us um 
back in the 96-97 season, but that only like lasted 18 minutes and Man U won 4-1 that day. But uh, yeah, it was nice to actually um, score at Old Trafford because last year it was like 10-0 on aggregate if you if you include the uh, the cup games. And like I mentioned earlier, that we didn't mention a glove, um, lay a glove on him. And yeah, it was nice to get the two um, goals, but it's kind of, you know, you're like, you look at the the clock in the far corner towards the Stratford end and only four minutes have gone and you're thinking, what's going to happen in this game? Because the last time I was in a similar situation to that was at Villa Park in 2018 and ended up 5-5. You just didn't know which game the uh, which way the game was going to go. Um, but yeah, it was a, I don't want to like be negative or anything like that, but you, you look at the clock and you're thinking, bloody hell, you, this is... <laughs> There's a long, long way to go, and um, at Old Trafford, and um, as we'll mention as this pod goes on, obviously there's a lot more to happen in the game. And at that point, United came out and and tried to get back into the match, as you probably would expect when they're going two nil down at home. the The goal for them, their first goal, came on 17 minutes. Uh, it was Bruno Fernandez. He had a shot from 25 yards. Was parried away by Matt Turner, but the ball comes to Marcus Rashford. He drills it low from that left-hand side, and Christian Eriksen steals in and prods the ball into the roof of the net for two-one. And you you start to think, well, this this could potentially turn the game. And actually, Forest did okay, didn't they? They in that in that first half, they they. They were under pressure, which I think is to be expected away at Old Trafford, but they they dealt with it well. They were they were looking to defend stoutly, and they they got to half time at least two one up. the The chance though that Forest did have to make to extend their lead came not long before the break. Um, I think Casemiro before that had missed a chance for two two, a corner bounced across the box all the way through to him and got his head on it, but it glanced wide when really a flush contact would have made it 2-2 and the ball in the back of the net. But Brennan Johnson got away down the right. He sprinted past Dallow and Eriksson, squared the ball back to Morgan Gibbs-White, but his goal-bound effort was blocked by a one-yee. Now, if that goes in, that makes it 3-1 and Forrest go into the break with a two-goal advantage. You, You do wonder, one, had United not scored their goal, but two, had Forrest got that one in, how different the second half might have played out, Tom? Yeah, you would like to think so, wouldn't you? And there was another chance um, before where um, I think it was Gibbs White, he tried to play it. Um, I can't remember if it was a one or Johnson. He's He's got down Man United's right, uh, sorry, Man United's left, um, our right, and he's, he's pulled it back. But well, I think he's, tr- he's tried to pull it back, but he's like, he should have like played it sooner. So the um, I think the Dallow just like, I think it's Dallow or um, Varane just closed the angle down and obviously it went up for a corner. But I'm like thinking if you just put that ball in a bit earlier and we and, and then again, we could have been 4-1 up at half-time and it wasn't to be. And it's like, it was just one of those, wasn't it? You just keep it tight because we've got this tendency and it happened last season from the 46th minute to the 52 or 52nd minute. We've let them huge amount of goals and in that period I think it happened um, against Fulham last season at home Bournemouth um, etc and um, it happened against Sheffield United last Friday night and it's just like just keeping focus there's 
in that early because if we're um, like a goal up or whatever, then obviously the teams are going to come out and try and um, catch us on the um, on the back foot kind of thing. And yeah, I think we we just need to uh, focus a bit more when we come out for the second half. But um, yeah, you just know it was going to be a long second half because obviously it was only it was only winning two one, and you just know that they were going to um, throw a lot our way. And so, um, yeah, it's just it's just going to be a long second half, unfortunately, without without sounding negative, because like I says, it was um, a brilliant first half performance from Forest. So in that second half, it, it did play out as we expected. We thought United were going to come at Forest and, and put the pressure on, and they did. And fifty-two minutes in, they got their equaliser. Uh, they had a free kick down the right-hand side, right channel. Bruno Fernandes drills it across the, the front of the penalty area. Uh, it's Marcus Rashford who dinks the ball in. Fernandes runs to the back post. Forrest push out, but Casemiro's down on the deck after the initial free kick. He then gets up. Fernandes finds him by nodding the ball across goal, and he's in front of the six-yard box with the, with the goal at his mercy near enough. He controls it and, and prods it past Turner. And it's 2-2. Now, yeah, I, I'm watching it. I'm thinking, well, yes, it's not offside. For You know, the rules are the rules and the phases of play. But Casemiro gets a big advantage by being able to stand basically in front of the goal and, and be in that position. But yeah. Forrest have to be aware of that, don't they? They've got to defend better and know that players yeah. are going to be in those positions. Yeah, unfortunately, it was, um, it was Brennan Johnson who was like the one who didn't push up with the rest of the um, of the defensive line and he got left in there and obviously he's on side at that point. Um, so when it got played across, then obviously the ball's gone backwards. So he's still technically on side, but it's, it's, it's not like, it's, it's a strange one, but Casemiro is in the gold. He's, he's got to influence in some play because Turner knows he's there. Because yeah. he's right in the middle of the goal, so and then he just gets up, and then so you're coming back from an offside position, even though the ball's played back. It's it. I know the rules are there, but surely he's he's influencing play. And but again, Steve Cooper mentioned it in the post-match um, press conference is that the VAR decisions were made too quickly, without probably. Analyst of who's where and, and everything, um, and again, it's like I says it. We've got our own, we've got ourselves blame in terms of uh, Johnson probably like caught napping on the back post in terms of like keeping everybody on side. But yeah, Casemiro he has had a massive influence and a massive advantage in the equalising. Hence, he's scored, but he's in the middle of the goal, isn't he? So Turner's got to know he's there. And when he comes out, no one's going to obviously pick him up because, or whatever, because everybody's obviously on the penalty spot or beyond. But unfortunately, yeah, it is what it is, and it's two-two. And then Forest were forced into a change. What three or four minutes after that goal, Scott McKenna came off, and Musa Niakate replaced him. And yeah, the match carried on with with this, that similar thread of United pushing forward. They'd got the momentum now by this point, having 
equalised. And the big turning point from Forrest's point of view comes, what, 67 minutes? Uh, a ball play forward. I th- I th- it's one of the United centre-halves who plays the ball forward quickly. It catches Forrest out. It's just coming in between and round the back of Joe Worrell and Willie Bolly. Bruno Fernandes is chasing the ball. There's a coming together between him and Worrell. And Worrell is shown the red card for a foul. He's deemed to be the last man in that situation. And Forrester down to 10 men. Now, did you agree with the red card, Tom? Or we, when you look back over the incident, can you make a case for Bolly covering and Matt Turner coming out as goal? So it's not a clear-cut goal-scoring opportunity that's definitely going to lead to Bruno getting on the end of the ball. Um, unfortunately not. Um, in real time, um, I thought, oh, this might go to VAR and there might be a covering defender which will bail Joe out here. But having watched Match of the Day and the extended highlights on uh, YouTube from um, Forrest's uh, YouTube channel, is the reason why Bolly looks like he's on the cover because um, Fernandez and um, Worrell have hit the deck. So the ball's technically dead and obviously everything's slowed up and then Bolly's momentum's come round. So by the time the whistle gets blown, he looks like he's the covering defender. But if you look at it real time, uh, I don't think Bolly's um, getting there. And unfortunately, the rules state that it is um, a sending off. Having said that, I think if it was if you brought him down in the penalty box and a penalty was given, then I think it's the double jeopardy rule where it would have only been a yellow card for um, Joe because obviously the penalty has been given. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, I think he's just got a head start on Joe and Joe's potentially panicked and tried to like look like he's, he's slipped or whatever. But you know, he's got to grab hold of his shorts. And even though I can't stand Bruno Fernandes, I think he's the most mardiest, petulant crybaby in, in the Premier League. Um and he's in the referee's ear all game. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's absolutely... He's, 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 not a likeable, he's, not, he's not a likeable character, is he, when you see no, how he behaves sometimes? No, he's one of the hateful... One of the hateful well, he, I think he is the most hateful player in the Premier League when you watch it, how he conducts himself. He's meant to be um, Man United's captain and everything, and he's always, like, crying about something. And then, obviously, his comments in the Tottenham game regarding uh, John's uh, John Moss's... Um, influence on matters um, so um, yeah he's just yeah, he's just not a very likeable um, player to be against um, but, um, but yeah unfortunately um, yeah, I can't see but Willie Bolly getting round in time so um, yeah unfortunately for Joe it's uh, going to be three matches out mm. I thought it was a little bit harsh on Joe I thought I thought a yellow card was enough with, with Turner and Bolly coming round but I can see it both ways to be fair and if it was Rashford getting on the end of the ball I'd be more inclined to say yes he's definitely going to get there and it's a red yeah. but it's it's one of those and it's a, it's a decision which at Old Trafford you're not really going to get as an away team let's be honest um, No you're not um, it's been like it for years hasn't it you've got to have everything aligned to get anything at Old Trafford and more and um, like I says um I've mentioned it on um, Twitter. I don't think Stuart Atwell should be anywhere near the professional game because he 
controversy follows him around like wildfire. I mean, he gave us that ghost goal, didn't he, in 2008 uh, when Reddy played Watford. Yeah. He's, um, he had our game in 2008 when it was, it just went into a circus, didn't it, in terms of um, against Derby at Pride Park when a penalty was given, then a goal was scored and he disallowed it and, and all of that. And McGugan got sent off. Then obviously we had controversy a couple of years ago when we played uh, Bournemouth and was uh, trying to get automatic promotion when he was it the offside or some or the penalty or I can't remember yeah. what the decision was but, On but yeah Surridge. yeah so I just don't think he's fit for purpose um, really but um, it's like, like what's been the topic in the last week if you got uh, friends in high places then obviously you're going to get the jobs aren't you yeah well. It was not the end of the controversy in this game, let's put it that way. And 76 minutes, United were awarded a penalty. Marcus Rashford had the ball, left-hand side of the penalty area. He's up against Danilo. Uh, He goes down and a penalty is given. Now, when you look at the incident back, there is contact from Danilo, but he's pulling his leg away. He's not trying to make a challenge at that point, but Rashford, I think Rashford initiates the contact and make, makes the most of it and goes down. And it's, I, I think it's a poor decision because especially when you've got VAR as well, that's able to go back and watch the footage and look at the context of the incident. But the problem with VAR is it slows things down and it, it, makes contact look a lot worse than what it is and in that situation it's obvious you can see Danilo's pulling away he's not trying to make a tackle he's not trying to get in Rashford's way Rashford feels that contact and throws himself over in an unnatural way and the penalty's given it goes to VAR but the decision is upheld and I was left a bit confused by that because VAR should be looking at incidents like that and it should be able to to say, actually, no, Rashford's ran into Danilo and it shouldn't be a penalty. Again, it feels like a bias where you're away at Old Trafford and you're not going to get that kind of decision go your way, but that doesn't make it right. What do you think, Tom? Um, I, I agree. I think VAR is there to protect the top six. Um. I mean, look what happened a couple of weeks ago when Wolves played. Uh, they, they had a, they had caused an absolute stonewall penalty. It wasn't given. And you, you look at it and thinking, why why are some decisions given to like, the top clubs then us towards like mid-table to the bottom? You, you don't get anything. And it's been, always been the same at Old Trafford. Um, you, you don't get a lot. I mean, in the 90s, um, for our older listeners, I, I think... They didn't concede. A, they didn't give away a penalty at Old Trafford for four years, because whether the referees were like scared of not giving anything, because obviously with the ref of Alex Ferguson in the um, in the tab and everything, it, nothing gets given at Old Trafford. And but if you're the opponent opponents, when you look back on the decision. Yeah, what's Danilo meant to do? Is when he's defending, he, there's going to be some kind of a bitter contact because he's defending. He's up against Rashford. He's going to get close to him. What does Danilo do? Run away and let 
um, Rashford have a, like a free shot at goal or a cross because he might go down. So there's going to because when you're that close to someone and he hasn't if he's like that put a leg out and obviously got his ankle or something then yeah it's a stonewall penalty and you've got no arguments but he pulls his leg away um but the thing is though i don't know whether it went to var but it the decision from the penalty given to the actual penalty being taken it's like on var it's like the like analyze it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This one was like the decision was like done really quickly, and I was thinking, well, that's a bit strange for VAR because of the game was at two two at that point, and they're just like, oh yeah, Rashford's gone down, we'll give a penalty because Man United, and it's just like if you're giving that one, you've got to give the one um, when Lindelof puts two hands in Bolly's back. Yeah, but that that's the level, that's what annoys fans, well, the up and down the country that the inconsistency levels. Are just they're just all over the place. There's no consistency. It's like how can you give that one with? It's got to be the same contact. If you're giving that one, you've got to give that one. It's the same type of contact. But but, but like I said, it, you don't get much um, when you go to these top six clubs and there's a VAR call to uh, make. But I've always been of the opinion you've got if former players are not willing to referee a game on the field. Get them in the VAR room. They've played the game. They know the rules because obviously they'll have like workshops at the start of season for any rule changes. So they will know the rules. Get them in the VAR room to like give calls like that because they've played the game. They know how the ball bounces and how the run of the ball, etc. Because they're quite good at giving it on um, on Sky Sports in the studio every week or on Talk Sport or Match of the Day. So if you're going to do that, why don't you actually be big enough and and say, look. Let's have professional players or ex pros in the VAR room assisting these referees because these referees have never played the game at any, at a professional level. Um, so um, yeah, I'll be an advocate of having former players um in the VAR room to for these calls because, like I says, it's happening week in week out. Um, the inconsistency levels for they've got it's the the best league in the world with potentially the best technology. But the humans who are at the uh, who are controlling it are not fit for a purpose because they've never played the game. And it is just creating an infuriating sense of inconsistency. You mentioned the the one that the decision that Wolves didn't get at Old Trafford the other week, where Anana basically cleans out one of the Wolves attackers, and nothing's given. Far more contact than Danilo on Rashford. And there's far more contact at the other end a few minutes later on Bolly. So, yeah, it, it just people are now starting to think, you know what, that certain teams are benefiting from decisions here. There is a big six bias and it does feel like there's something bigger at play here. That Yeah. And another case in point yesterday, Jamie Carragher says on Sky Sports, um, Van Dyke shouldn't have got sent off because there was no guarantees of Alexander Isak scoring the goal. It's like, how, how do you come to that conclusion? You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. yeah, it's just like people have got, they've got like an agenda, whether if they're benefiting from VAR or, or whatever, but, yeah, some people are saying like really strange things and it's like, and like you say, the, the top six are benefiting. And then if the top six get a decision they don't like, 
they're saying that VAR is not fit for purpose. It's like, well, it's all right when it's going for you, which is nine times out of ten, <laughs> nine times out of ten it does. But that one uh, time where it doesn't go for you, you're like you're moaning about it. But but like the teams that like mid table um, towards the bottom hardly get those decisions. So um, yeah, there's huge inconsistencies in the level of what gets given uh, with VAR. As it was, the penalty was given and Bruno Fernandes converted it to make it 3-2 to United. And Forrest responded, made a couple of changes. Anthony Alanga and Chris Wood came on for Danilo and a 1-U with about 10 minutes to go. Forrest put some pressure on United in the closing stages. Some long throws from Ola Aina were causing problems and Neocarte too. And it was one of these long throws that led to this incident involving Willy Bolly where it looks like he is shoved over by a United defender in the penalty box. He goes down, he gets up actually, and the ball drops to him again and he hits an instinctive shot volley that goes towards the top corner, but Anana flies across goal and makes a really good save. But when you look at the level of contact that Danilo has with Marcus Rashford. You've got to look at that and think, well, how on earth have Forrest not been given a penalty there? Because you set a precedent for what, how much contact results in a penalty with the Rashford decision. Bodies shoved over in the box and, and nothing doing. Yeah, uh, but the thing, the thing is, though, uh, were the opponents attacking the Stratford end towards the end of the game? You're not going. You're not getting a penalty, are you? So. No. You, you mean you probably, even if like uh, GBH was committed in the box one, on one of our players in the 90th minute at Old Trafford when we uh, were in a goal uh, down, we're um, we're not getting it, are we? Unfortunately, no. so. Uh, but... I think you put you put that those Forest incidents, if you those or those Man United incidents, put them at the other end. I don't think Forest get a penalty in the way that United did. Clearly, they didn't with the Bolly one. Yeah. I'd, I'd I'd wager that perhaps a Man United defender, if it was a United defender instead of Worrell, would have probably got a booking instead of a red card. All yeah. of these things seem to add up and that there were a yeah. few poor decisions throughout the game. Yeah, and I don't want to come across as like we are sour grapes and, and everything. And United fans will probably, if, if there's any listening to this, will come back at us and says, well, you were the ones who surrendered a two-goal lead and this, that and the other. And it's like, well, yeah, we did, but... If you put the if the decisions what we um, what was against us in our, in isolation, you'd be aggrieved. So yeah, so yeah, but like so, um, like I said at the start of this pod, uh, we've come a huge way from going to these places last year, and like we, we were just turning up for a day trip, wasn't we? In terms of um, the players into like the tribe, but it just wasn't enough. Um, so. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's nice to actually compete at these places, and we'll go again on Wednesday against Burnley in the cup, and then Chelsea next week um, at Stamford Bridge. We do, yes, and I think you're right there. If it was last season and we were three 0 down and well out of the game, we probably wouldn't be as bothered by the the odd poor decision or something not quite going our way. But when we were so in the game and and so close to getting something, it certainly is that a little bit more galling when these things don't go for you? So, 3-2 it finished to Man United. 
And Forest beaten again on the road this season after the opening day defeat at Arsenal. We'll have a break now at this point and we'll hand over to Callum for the news roundup. So it's over to Callum. Hello, this is Callum with the 1865 News. I hope you're all well. Um, so we've well, we said last week that there's a lot that can happen in the space of a week in the transfer window. And to be honest, recently it was uh, it was more of a 24-hour spurt. But I'll uh, I'll go through I'll go through the week from from the last update. So, in terms of incomings and rumours on incomings, we'll start with. Um, it looks like Dean Henderson could be closer to Palace, Crystal Palace, than Nottingham Forest at the moment, based on um, how long it's taken with Man United and the injury sort of stuff and the Matt Turner incoming. Um, we're still in there, it seems, up to now, but we also seem to be interested in a goalkeeper that Man United are also interested in, the Benfica goalkeeper. Um, I'll probably butcher this, but it looks like Odysseus Vlaco Demos. Um, so it does look like we're still after a goalkeeper, whether that's maybe a backup for Turner. He has been given the number one shirt. So um, it still seems a bit up in the air in terms of goalkeepers. Um, in terms of left-backs, it sounds like left-backs still a priority, which is what we've heard recently. Um, there was rumours of Acuna from Sevilla, but he, he has an injury and that kind of cut his move to Aston Villa. So I think that's it might be a non-starter. Um, there is a link to Zaidu Sanisu at Porto for 15 million euros. Um, and this has all come a little bit off of the back of Nuno Tavares um, being off and considering other options. It sounds like there was a 30 million pound price tag there, uh, which makes sense to kind of to, to swerve away from. Um, Murillo looks like he's really close in the centre-back position for 15 million euros altogether with add-ons, uh, which is really exciting. We got the here we go from Fabrizio Romano. So that should be close to being done. And then Callum Hudson-Odoi as well uh, for £8 million. It seems like Fulham have pulled out and other teams may be interested, we've heard. But also, we've also heard that um, Forest have a free run at the move as well. So that'll, uh, that'll probably develop next week. We'll have to keep an eye out on that one. But that's another exciting one in the forward positions. Um, we have we were in talks with Nicholas Dominguez. I'm not too sure if that's been affected by the fact that we have signed Andre Santos on loan from Chelsea. Uh, so we have got that midfield position kind of bulked. I'm not sure if that affects the six with Sangare, uh, Felipe Lewis, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, the talks with Dominguez seemed to kind of it was a bit up and then it went a bit down after the Andre Santos news. Um, we have signed Gonzalo Montiel as well from Sevilla for £9.5 million, right back, World Cup winner. Um, so we've had Andre Santos and Montiel both confirmed this week. In terms of outgoings, it sounds like Leeds are opening talks with Lewis O'Brien. Uh, we haven't really had much movement on the Brennan situation, but it kind of seems like it's more likely Spurs that you would go to than Chelsea at the moment now, seeing as Chelsea may have cooled off a little bit um, and Spurs are still in there. We've had Froiler to Bologna as a rumour recently, so that might be sort of in with the Nicolas Dominguez news, but it seems like either way, Froiler would be going there whether Dominguez moved or not. Um, and then confirmed outgoings, we've had Omar Richards to Olympiacos on loan, so good luck to him there. Hopefully see him on the grass this season. Um, Draga to Basel permanently, and Tyrese Fauna to Derby permanently as well. Um, and then outside of transfer news, we've had Felipe, who announced that he played through injury for us at the end 
end of last season and he's in the final stages of recovery at the moment so this i'm being recorded right now before the manchester united game we may see uh, we may see him on the bench i doubt it to be honest but hopefully he'll be back at some point soon um, and then congratulations to Serge Aurier as well, who was in the Premier League team of the week for the official Premier League and for who scored as well after his two assists last week against Sheffield United. Uh, thank you very much. And I'll be back again with the news soon. Take care. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thanks, Callum, for the news roundup. And let's bring it back to Forest's next couple of fixtures this week. So they're playing Burnley first off in the League Cup on Wednesday. And that's followed by a trip to Chelsea back in the league on Saturday. Another tricky away day early on in the season for Forest, as we know. Um, but quickly, just coming back to Burnley as well. Given the difficulty of Forest's away fixtures, a home tie against Burnley in the Cup feels like one that's that's very winnable for them and one where they can at least get a bit of confidence back after the away defeats they've suffered so far. Yeah, I watched Burnley on Match of the Day last night and they alluded to the fact that they do commit a lot of men forward and then Villa did them on the counter-attack. Uh, so if we have the likes of um, Alanga possibly starting, and um, I think he will go with a strong side because um, Steve Cooper will want that. Like, um, he wants the players to actually gel and get better um, with these uh, league games uh, coming up with Chelsea on Saturday. Then after the international break, we've got Burnley again. So uh, I think he will um, want to get um, a settled team um, well, I don't think he. I think he's going to be banned, isn't it? I think it does carry on into the League Cup, so yeah, I, I don't think he will be playing. Um, and I don't know if Andre Santos can play in terms of. I don't know if he's allowed to play in cup matches. I, I think he will be because it's a season long loan, isn't it? So yeah, hopefully we'll get to see him uh, play. Alanga will hopefully start. Um, I think Chris Wood might start against his former club and give Awani a bit of a rest because obviously he's bit, been a bit touch and go in terms of um, his fitness because he uh, he had a bit of a stop-start pre-season. But I think, um, yeah, Steve Cooper will go with a, a strongish side um, just to get minutes in the legs, um, etc. And probably the odd change. But uh, yeah, I think um, it's going to be a decent game on Wednesday because... Um, we're at home and everything. I don't know if it's going to be a sellout, but uh, yeah, I think we can get at Burnley because like I said, they commit a lot of men forward and, and they're susceptible on the counter-attack, which we are absolutely geared up well to um, obviously punish that. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, get a win at home and, and obviously um, go on to the game on Saturday against Chelsea where we got to all of their last year. Um, um, they've 
improved under Poch. I mean, it was a convincing win on Friday against Luton. And I don't think the the game previous to that against West Ham, I don't think there were... It was, I think, the scoreline flattered West Ham. I think Chelsea played quite well in the game and just they didn't take the chances and West Ham did. So, um, so yeah, it'd be nice to get something like a point. I'll, I'll take a point uh, now because we obviously got a point there last season and and I know we've got Man City in the next few weeks, but um, uh, but yeah, we've got Burnley after the international break. So, yeah, I think we've coped quite well with this tricky start. Um, competed pretty well in it, just put us in good stead for the the rest of the season when we go to other um, away grounds and we can show that we can compete against the best. So uh, hopefully we'll pick up a, um, a few wins on the road this season compared to last season. Absolutely. And it's a busy week as well with the transfer deadline coming up on Friday, the 1st of September. So yes, two games for Forest to come, the deadline day as well. And we will be back with you with our match report after the Burnley Cup match. So thank you for joining us, listener. Thanks to Tom as well. And thanks to Callum for the news roundup. And yes, we will be back with you after the Burnley game. So until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.